Well, good morning. My name's Alexander Fenter, and um, I'm greeting Sarepta Church, uh, Church on the Way, and other congregations and Christians that are watching this video um, on Sunday morning. So, thanks again for the invitation uh, from Alan Blackman to be with you all and to continue the series in the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. So last week I did part one of The Risen Lord Renews Our Calling with a focus on fishing and feasting. This morning I'm going to speak again from John chapter 21 and it's the part two of The Risen Lord Renews Our Calling but with a focus on loving and leading. Um, so this morning's talk on John chapter 21 moves the attention from the disciples to Peter and is very personal in terms of Peter's heart and life and hopefully it'll be as personal and applicable for you and for I as we go through this meditation. But I'd like to just pause and to say let's just invite God's presence. Lord, thank you that we have this privilege and this joy once again of sharing your word, of welcoming and honoring your presence and praying that you'd give us the gift of the Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to receive your word. Lord, let your word shine. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, speak to our hearts through Jesus, by your spirit, just as Jesus spoke to Peter's heart 2,000 years ago. Make this story alive and real, Lord, we pray. And heal us, cleanse us, and transform us in this time together. In Jesus' name, I pray. So, let me read the text to you. Once I've read the text, I'll, I will share my reflections. John chapter 21, verse 15. So, when they had finished eating the breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. I tell you, Peter, I tell you the truth, that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. Then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. But Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that he was following them. 
And John puts in brackets, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus' chest, his bosom, at the, at, at the supper and had asked him, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to, to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers and the sisters that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until he returns, what is that to you? So this is the disciple who testifies about these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for all the books that would be written. <laughs> what an amazing statement to end up um, his biography on Jesus. John, the beloved disciple, the youngest disciple, probably 18, 17, 18, 19, the one that, that uh, was apparently closest to Jesus and had his head on Jesus' bosom, uh, that Passover meal on the Thursday night when he was betrayed. So this is a wonderful ending to the gospel and just to go through with it. So what I said last week to briefly recap to give the context to this meditation today. First of all, Jesus as a kind of master psychologist and I'm using homiletical license, Jesus recreates the scene of the first calling in Luke chapter 5 where they were, were they went out fishing all night and they caught nothing and then Jesus says let's put the nets down and they catch a miraculous catch. So Jesus recreates that in, in John chapter 21, the first part, which I shared last week, to renew their calling. But then he goes further and makes a, a, a fire and a breakfast meal. And there Jesus actually recreates what happened to Peter when he denied Jesus three times. So if you go back to John chapter 18, John tells the, um, the story of how Jesus um, was betrayed by Judas on that Thursday night and was taken to the courtyard of the high priest. And Peter followed from afar. And when he got there, it says that there was um, a fire outside the door to the courtyard where they took Jesus to be tried. And Peter was warming his hands there. And there was a young woman who looked at Peter through the light of the fire and said, I know you, aren't you one of his? And three times Peter denied knowing Jesus while he was warming himself around the fire. And here Jesus has created a fire, provided them fish as well as bread, and gives them a sumptuous breakfast, which also is a symbol of the kingdom feast. And it says, when he had finished eating, Jesus then turns his attention to Peter personally and addresses him. So this is in the presence 
of the other disciples sitting around the fire while they're warming themselves. Because, of course, Peter had swum uh, from the boat to the shore and was probably still wet and damp and needed to be warm. And so, in a sense, like a psychologist, (laughs) taking Peter through inner healing, he recreates dramatically, literally what happened only two weeks before that, on the Thursday night, around another fire where he's warming himself. And he reverses literally step by step what happened that that Thursday night around that fire, around this fire, uh, the morning um, when he reveals himself as resurrected and alive. So he says to Peter three times, he asks three questions. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the three questions, he waits for three answers, and then he gives a threefold commission. And what he's doing is he's reversing what happened two weeks before to wash Peter from his guilt, his shame, his failure. And it was extreme. I mean, Peter's threefold denial of Jesus was, was actually very serious because according to Matthew chapter 26, and by the way, I've done notes on this talk and I'm doing notes on these various talks and uh, I will, they are available if you want to read them. But in Matthew 26, he shows a downward spiral that Thursday night when Peter denied Christ. First of all, when the young girl said, I, weren't you with him? Aren't you one of his? And then it says he denied it. Then she said, no, I know you. I recognize you. And then it says that he took an oath. He swore an oath that he did not know Jesus. Then the third time when she challenged him, it says he actually called down curses on him to prove that he was telling the truth. And I think it was Luke that says that Jesus turned and then looked at Peter when the cock crowed. But Jesus knew that this would happen. And their eyes met. And Peter went out. It says, and he wept bitterly. So Peter was so full of guilt and shame and remorse and failure that he had denied knowing his best friend. So this was not a small thing. And Jesus around this fire after his resurrection turns and says, Peter, do you love me? It had cut Jesus very deep and it had, and now Jesus pierces Peter's heart with love where Peter pierced Jesus' heart with deep sorrow and pain because of his threefold denial. And he says, do you love me? Now, the word love here that uh, Jesus uses is agape, which is the common word that the early followers of Jesus used to describe God's kind of love. And he says, do you agape me? And Peter answers, "I, Lord, you know I love you. I filio you, which is friendship, brotherly love. And some commentators have made a big thing of this interplay between um, agape and filio. But I am convinced by Craig Keenan and others that John in his gospel, as well as in his, his epistles, uses agape and filio interchangeably. So there's not a big deal. I think the point simply is this. Jesus wants to know what is the heart and the motivation in Peter after all that has happened. Because ministry and leadership, because Jesus is, is going to reinstate, he's reinstating 
Peter to be the leader. All through the Gospels, all the Gospels show that in Jesus' ministry, when he called the apostles, Peter emerged as the leader. And Jesus is here reinstating him after his terrible failure. And he wants to know his heart, his motivation, the source of his leadership and his ministry. Do you love me? And Peter's reply is, oh, Jesus, you know me. I actually really do love you, but I failed. I've messed up. I'm seeing this movie. I've seen this movie before two weeks ago on a Thursday night around a fire. And I'm sorry, but I do love you. And then when Jesus hears his reply, I do love you. As faulty and as weak as my lovers, he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of them, look after them. I entrust my church to you. And that is actually a remarkable thing. What is Jesus doing? What is he saying? What's happening in Peter in this drama? What did he feel? His emotions I think what Jesus is saying is this. I want to know to what extent you are in touch with yourself, with your own brokenness, with who you really are, and how honest you are, and what drives you and motivates you in life and in ministry and in leadership. Jesus did not call the successful. He did not call the professionally holy people, the lawyers, the theologians, (laughs) the Pharisees to follow him. He called very rough, foul-mouthed fishermen, tax tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes uh, to follow him. Very ordinary, broken people. And he loved them patiently, persistently. And through his love, transformed them in their brokenness to actually be leaders and world changers. They would bring change to the world. And so he says to all of us, Do you love me? How well do you know your heart? Are you in touch with your failures and your brokenness? They don't disqualify you. They don't disqualify you. No matter what you've done, if you confess it to Jesus, Jesus pressed Peter with the question, Do you love me? So that he could say with his mouth, Lord, if I know myself, actually, I do love you. As weak and faulty as my lovers, as much as I have failed you, I I love you. And then it actually is a pronouncement of confession. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. And Jesus, his response is, is an act of forgiveness and acceptance and a renewal of calling, a recommission. Um, I, I give you my lambs, look after them, feed them. And that speaks of the tender care. When Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, he's saying it in the light of what he has just done. That morning when he appeared to them on the shore and had made the fire and they had uh, come off the boat and brought the fish, he tenderly, lovingly, created a breakfast, a sumptuous meal, and he fed them. He, it says, John says, he broke the bread, he gave them the fish, and he fed them. 
Feed my lambs lovingly, tenderly as I have fed you, as I've cared for you. In my suffering love, in my love for you, I've suffered your brokenness, Peter. Your failure and your sin against me, Peter. I've suffered that in love in order to transform you so that you can feed and love and care for my people, the most vulnerable, in the same way I have loved and cared for you. The way I've led you, Peter, is the way I want you to lead my people. The way I've fed you, Peter, is the way I want you to feed my people. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, who is the example for all of us, not only in life, but also in ministry and in leadership. And Jesus led in love, by love, and from love, the love of the Father. And that love, in loving his sheep, and loving the world that God gave him to love, led him to death. And it's the same for all followers of Jesus, and especially leaders in God's flock, in the, in the body of Christ. That Jesus is our example, and we follow him, and we learn to lead by being led, where his love takes us into experiencing the pain of crucifixion as we carry people's brokenness and weakness and vulnerability and learn to love them as Jesus loves them. This is what's going on here. It's a profound, personal, intimate cleansing of Peter, reaffirmation of Peter, and recommissioning of Peter. And of course, through Peter, to all those around him, because here he's doing this very personal thing in front of the other disciples around the fire. And if you do a dressing down of one of your leaders in front of other leaders, it's not a good thing generally. But why did Jesus do that in front of the others? I think Jesus was, through Peter, speaking to them as well. Because the night around the Passover meal, that Thursday night before he was betrayed, he actually said, I'm going to, one of you will betray me. And then Peter said, Lord, although, they, although everyone forsakes you, I will never forsake you. In fact, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. He vowed that. And then it says all the other disciples around the table said the same. So they too said, we will die for you. We won't forsake you. And yet when Judas came with the soldiers that Thursday night and, and kissed Jesus and betrayed him and they took him away to the high priest to be tried, all the disciples ran away except Peter who followed from afar off. So he's doing it. It happened in community, and now he's repairing it and reversing it in community with them all present that they can see and hear the drama that's going on. And then their hearts too can be read. They, they too can face their own failure, their own broken promises, their own denial of Jesus their own running away and say, Jesus, we love you even though we are weak and broken. We too love you and we are for you. And then Jesus says, I reaffirm your leadership. 
I entrust my church to you. Take care of my people. And you know, it's a remarkable thing. And once again, I'm just looking at my notes. I had that here in the notes where Peter, in his epistles, 1 Peter chapter 5, he's writing to the scattered Jewish believers and he's saying, (laughs) I, as a fellow shepherd, a fellow elder with you, I'm speaking on behalf of the chief shepherd of the sheep. And he explains how that we must not lord it over God's people, that we must care for them tenderly. And he goes through instructions um, and he basically is speaking from his own personal experience of the tender loving care of the chief shepherd. And he now as the under shepherd of the chief shepherd is to exercise the same ministry of leadership in love that Jesus exercised and not be an abusive shepherd, an abusive pastor and leader, as Jesus described in John chapter 10. In fact, here in the text of John 21, it refers directly to Jesus' teaching in John chapter 10, where he says, I am the good shepherd of God's sheep, and I lay down my life. I call them by name. He called Peter by his birth name, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And so um, it's a very um, um, personal echo of Jesus' teaching on being the good shepherd and not a hireling professional who is a robber who climbs over the wall into the sheep, who's paid to pastor the sheep. And he does it just for money as a job, who robs kills and destroys. It's not the devil who comes to rob, kill and destroy. It's the false shepherds. It's the celebrity man of God who uses and abuses people because they're not in touch with their own brokenness and failure and weakness. And they're not honest in the presence of God as to what motivates them. We're all motivated by mixed things in our hearts in terms of ministry and leadership. We want to be popular. We want to be liked. We do it because we want to feel good about ourselves. In fact, some of us want to be heroes. All wrong, mixed motivations. And Jesus simply says to Peter, I want to know your heart. And I want to know if you know your heart and are in touch with it and are honest about it. Do you love me? And if you do, no matter how weak and faulty it is, your brokenness doesn't disqualify you from leadership as long as you're in touch with it and confess it and accountable in community for it, then I give you my church and I affirm your leadership and I empower you. But lead as I lead in love and don't lead for all the other mixed reasons and from all the other places inside you because that becomes abusive as a false shepherd. And John chapter 10 is teaching on shepherding leading, being the good shepherd and the false shepherds is a direct reference to Ezekiel chapter 34. And uh, I must begin to draw this to a close, but just to say, if you have time, you should read Ezekiel chapter 34 from verse 1 down to about verse 18, where Jesus, where God through Ezekiel rebukes the false shepherds of Israel that um, use the sheep and abuse the sheep for their own purposes to achieve their own vision. And don't lead in love, but lead for all sorts of mixed motives. 
So this is an instruction to all of us as followers of Jesus, but especially to leaders in the body of Christ. So then just to finish off, once Jesus has um, commissioned Peter, feed my sheep, he says, I tell you the truth, Peter, that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus, in saying this, indicated the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. So here is, again, a further profound, very personal and intimate uh, prophecy of Jesus and expounding of Jesus. An illustration of him growing older and the kind of death he would die illustrates how leadership works in the kingdom, how leadership works in the resurrection spirit of Christ. He's basically saying that when you were young, you clothed yourself, you took the initiative, you did what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. And of course, there was typical Peter. He always took the initiative in the Gospels. Even even when Jesus appeared to him, he was the one who said, I'm going fishing, and the others followed. Um, he was the one when, when John said, it is the Lord. He, he put on his clothes that he had taken off, dived in the water and went to Jesus. Peter always takes initiative. And so what Jesus is saying is, as you grow older, in your old age, you will no longer take the initiative. You will have to, in your weakness, in old age, you, in your weakness, you surrender to the care of other people who dress you, who look after you, and actually who take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus was predicting Peter's, Peter's martyrdom. And good church tradition has it that he was executed by the Romans, Peter was, in Rome, and that he refused to be crucified right way up because he was not worthy to die like his master, like the chief shepherd of the sheep. So they crucified him upside down. But this is also the deeper level meaning behind this is Jesus's reinforcement of what leadership looks like in the kingdom. The, all, the longer we lead and the, the, the longer we follow Jesus, we learn to lead by being led. We surrender control. And the issue of control for pastors and leaders is a huge thing. But you learn to let go, open your hands, stretch them out, make them vulnerable. And surrender control to God and initiative to God. Just like Jesus in John chapter 5, he said, Although I am the Son of God, I do nothing on my own initiative. Only what I see my father doing and what I hear my father saying, that's what I do and that's what I speak. Jesus lived by initiative of the father. He led by being led by his father and his father led Jesus through other people, even his enemies. Jesus was led to the cross through Judas, who betrayed him, one of his closest in the twelve. So God teaches us to lead by being led as we let go and surrender control to God. And it's often through others that he leads us. And he leads us 
through circumstance and people, even enemies, to where we don't want to go, which is death. Death to self. Death to our own ambitions. Death to our own reputation and popularity. Where they redefine us. They clothe us. And how we defined ourselves. We clothed ourselves in the early years of idealism and heroic leadership. The great man of God. (laughs) Where we're going to take Africa for Jesus. (laughs) And so we learn to let go and be redefined in community. As we entrust in trust of God's great love that he has our best interests at heart. And his love will overcome all our brokenness and weakness and define us as, as, the, as his incarnation of love. Where we lead by his initiative and not by our own anymore. So that is what um, leadership in the kingdom looks like. And then the the last point is that uh, it's remarkable. I think John is putting the record straight here by by giving this last point. Is that then Peter turns around and looks at John following and he says, Jesus, what about him? And uh, even there, Peter is comparing in his own insecurity and wanting wanting to know, um, because Jesus said to Peter, you follow me. But then he saw John following. And you, you're talking about my death. What about his death? And this again raises this issue is no matter how long we lead, how long we follow Jesus, we still struggle with stuff like insecurity whereby we compare ourselves with each other. I mean, what's going to happen with that person? Am I as close to Jesus as that disciple? Why did he get to lay his head on Jesus' chest and not me? Why didn't I recognize it was Jesus first? And why did she, through intuition and spirituality, discern that it is the Lord? So we have this insecurity and and comparison. And just know that uh, insecure leaders, insecure people, cause damage in in, in the relationships around them, in the leadership teams, and in the people that, that follow them. We have got to learn to become secure in Jesus' persistent and transforming love that suffers our, our brokenness and weakness and changes it into his resurrection likeness, slowly but surely and progressively. And that's what leadership in the kingdom is all about. To lead is to suffer with Jesus. To lead by being led in love is to die to self and to live in resurrection love. May God bless you. May God make his face to shine upon you. May God be gracious toward you. May God turn, turn his face to you. And may God give you shalom. And by that pronouncement, I've put the name of Yahweh your God on the forehead of his people, on your forehead to bless you and protect you. Jesus, be with your people. Jesus, may this breaking of your word truly feed your sheep as you, through history, have fed your sheep with tender love and tender care, with compassion and grace. I speak healing and mercy and grace upon you from our Lord Jesus Christ. May God heal your brokenness. May God help you to confess your sin 
your failures, your weaknesses, your denials. May you be in touch with all that's in you. And just know that the love of God transforms it all into resurrection life and leadership. In Jesus' name, God bless you.